fantastic time uh, getting into the word today looking at our new theme verse and vision for 2024 it is going to be an incredible day together let's go ahead and stand up this morning we are going to open things up by speaking some words of faith over the united states of america praise the lord and uh, we're going to keep doing this we walk by faith not by sight and we know the scripture tells us in mark 11 we can have what we say and so we choose to say positive things amen so let's go ahead and say this together father we come to you in jesus name and in unity we confess that jesus christ is lord over the united states of america we declare that righteousness mercy justice and judgment from you shall prevail we declare that america will complete her god-given mission to bring the gospel of jesus christ to the world we push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes, just like we always do, to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a nice high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's go.
going to get into our announcements. Amen. You know, we're not quite as busy as we were in December. Uh, that was a very busy month, so we're glad that uh, all of the festivities are behind us and we can start getting into the new year. Uh, looking forward to everything the Lord's doing. So we got a couple of things here. First of all, if you have not gotten your 2024 HDWC calendar, you need to get one while supplies last. Actually, we've still got a full box. But anyway, uh, you need to get them, okay? And so make sure you grab one. And if you're thinking, well, I don't really use a wall calendar. Well, you do now, amen? We need to get, we need you to get one of these, all right? We don't want these sitting around. Excuse me. So uh, we got the theme verse for the new year on there. Uh, these are totally free back there at the info booth. We want you to grab one. And on top of that, uh, we do have a bookmark for you also. The ushers are passing those out right now with uh, the theme verse for 2024. So... Uh, uh, we just got a few things there that we want to give to you because we're going to be really, uh, you know, sticking with what the Lord told us for this coming year. And we are really excited about what God is doing. Amen. So few reminders here. Uh, again, we're going to keep reminding of this for probably the first couple months of the year. But we're asking for no food or drinks in the main sanctuary other than water or your communion elements, uh, you know, because we've been uh, we've been quite loose with that. So we just got the carpets cleaned and uh, you know if you must have your latte or your mocha or your whatever it is you're drinking uh, just try to do that in the coffee bar for us and that would make things a little bit easier amen does that sound fair is that fair everybody okay that's that's not too hard amen all right, so let's go ahead. We got a couple of announcements here, but they're really big ones, all right? And so one week from today is going to be membership class, everybody, membership class. And so I'm going to have the ushers pass the sign-up sheet around. And so if you, uh, maybe you've been at the church for a while, or maybe you're brand new, but uh, you've decided, hey, this is going to be my home church. This is where I'm putting down roots. I'm going to call this place home. Well, we want you to, we want you to do that. We want you to officially become a part of the church. And so uh, you can sign up for membership class and it's going to be this coming Sunday, the 14th uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. next door in Victory Hall. And, uh, you know, we provide some snacks and stuff like that, but it's a great time to be able to learn some of the, our church history and, and some of our doctrine and beliefs. And if nothing else, you get three hours with somebody you love very much. And that's me because you love me, right? No? Okay. Uh, that may have been, that may have, for some of you, you were going to go and now you're like, I'm not going. I can't take three hours of that. So either way, you know, uh, just sign up, please. Okay. All right. So that's going on. And I think we've got 19 people already signed up. So that's really good. Okay. And then uh, we also uh, have Financial Peace University coming up, FPU. And so ushers, Dave, <clears throat> Dave, Robert. Boys, one of you. I mean, somebody. <laughs> Help me out, guys. I don't. I, I, hey, all right. It's okay. It's it's fine. You know, I love it. So, uh, if you are interested in Financial Peace University, uh, this is a financial management class from a biblical perspective with Dave Ramsey, who is uh, really one of the most uh, respected and credible financial leaders in the United States. And so we have a quick video uh, to play for this, a promo video. And so I'm going to go ahead and have Tim play the video so you get a little bit of a better idea on this. Go ahead, Tim. grew up like I did, not rich. Don't be so happy about it. 
We borrowed for everything. Want a new couch? Go finance it. Want a new TV? Go finance it. We had personal loans, student loans. We were just doing what was normal. It's called staying in debt. What a great idea for a bank. I was so sick and tired of being where we were at. I was living paycheck to paycheck. You just stay right in the lane where they wanted you. People change their lives when they get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they finally say, that's it, I've had it! What I love about this plan is it gives you a clear path. How many of you grew up like I did, not rich? Don't be so happy about it. We borrowed for everything. Want a new couch? Go finance it. Want a new TV? Go finance it. We had personal loans, student loans. We were just doing what was normal. It's called staying in debt. What a great idea for a bank. I was just so sick and tired of being where we were at. I was living paycheck to paycheck. You just stayed right in the lane where they wanted you. change their lives when they get sick and tired of being sick and tired and they finally say that's it i've had it what i love about this plan is it gives you a clear path this is a wealth building plan it's not just a get out of debt plan a budget is simply a plan for your money you deal with the money stuff and all of a sudden you find freedom and connection everywhere feel like I can do more things than I ever could. You can go from where you are to where you want to be. You're free. You just gotta get started. All right, there we go. So, praise God. So, FPU will be starting on the 21st um, at 5... 30 p.m., okay? There's free childcare available, but you can register online at hdwc.org slash FPU. That's the church website. You can sign up on there, and Pastor Josh and uh, Julie and, and Brother Carl will be uh, uh, will be facilitating that class, so make sure you take advantage of that. Amen? All right. Well, that's the announcements for right now. Oh, the women's meeting is this Friday night, 6.30 in Victory Hall, okay? Women's meeting this Friday night, 6.30 in Victory Hall, okay? Well, uh, if you're with us today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we would like to welcome you to High Desert Word Center this morning, amen? If you could, we have a welcome gift for you. We've got a Dutch Brothers gift card and a great coffee mug that you're going to love. But if you could raise your hand up real quick, our welcome team uh, wants to get this over to you. There's an info card in there. And if you could fill that info card out and get it turned into them at the end of the service, right there at the info booth, uh, they will give you your gift. And we just want to get you some more information about the church and welcome you uh, to being with us today. We're so glad you're here. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Amen. It's happy time and you're like, well, what's that? Well, God loves a cheerful giver, so we get excited when we get a chance to give. Amen. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Highly recommend Dave Dave Ramsey's classes to everybody that hasn't been. If you have been, go again. Amen. I'll tell you what, I don't know about you. 
But I found out that I can be broke or I can have more than enough. I like more than enough a whole lot better. Amen, amen. Hold up your hand in an envelope for your tithes, your offerings, and then op 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 open up your uh, textbook on finances. How many have their textbook? Amen. God has a whole lot to say about your money. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews 10, verse 23. How many have ever heard about tithes and offerings? God, God, God wants you to give him 10% of what you make so he can bless your 90%. Y'all heard about that. How many have ever heard about Philippians 4.19? My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. All right. Well, Hebrews 10.23 then says, <clears throat> Let us hold fast the confession of our lack. Let us hold fast to keep whining about how high things are. Let us hold fast our confession that we're going broke. Let us hold fast our confession. What are we going to do if gas gets any higher? No, 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 no. All those things may be happening, but our faith can overcome those things. Faith in the Word of God, faith in Jesus. Hold fast confession of our faith. Everybody say faith. 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 You, know what, you know what a simple definition of faith is? Believe in God above the circumstances. Believe in what God says in the Bible more than what you see with your eyes. God changes things. It says, hold fast confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Who is it in the Bible that's doing the talking? It's people inspired by God. God's speaking through people. So when we read the promises of God, we're reading what God says. And so it says, hold fast, confess our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And I, I think about what I've learned in life. Jesus told us that our faith is released out of words out of our mouth. He said, we speak to the mountain. And if it's finance you're talking about, you got a mountain of debt, you got a mountain of too much going out, not enough coming in. He said, you're supposed to talk to the mountain. And he's the one that said that. Jesus said that. And so I've learned this. All the time you'll hear people say, well, everybody's saying this is this, this is this, this is going to happen. Everybody's saying gas is going up to this price. Everybody said, well, pretty soon we'll be able to afford to go out and eat anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they're everybody. But Mark chapter 11, Jesus said, whosoever shall say. And so I'm not everybody, I'm whosoever. Amen. And when the Bible's talking to Christians all the time, he says, whosoever, whosoever. And so I identify with the whosoever. I don't agree with the majority. I agree with Jesus. Amen. He said, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And uh, how, how many have been getting our devotions? They're online and back there on the table. Well, starting off this year, I'm doing a whole lot of talking about your mouth, about what you're saying. And I'm going to teach on that tonight. Pastor Dave's going to take care of the uh, theme verse today and show us some things there. But tonight, I got a wonderful message, and uh, you'll, fit in, you'll fit in one part of it. And the title of the message tonight is, Are You a Winner or a Whiner? Amen. Winners never whine, and whiners never win. So tonight's going to be really, really good, and it's really going to be right out of the devotional. So if you're following the devotional, you'll be set up for tonight because I can't think of any better way to start the year off than to get our mouth under control. Amen? Amen, amen. So that's why we do a financial faith confession. Are you ready for the faith confession? Amen. Let's stand up.
make our financial faith confession and uh, bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar. And I, I want to say this, <clears throat> that a lot of people give online now. You give, you give online and, and uh, you don't even have, you don't bring anything in because you've already done it. But come up the altar anyway and thank the Lord as you're coming up that he's received your tithe. He's received your offering. And then hold fast and confess your faith. Thank him that he's rebuking the devourer for your family. Thank him that the windows of heaven are open on your life and the blessing of God's on your family and you can't lose for winning. Amen. Amen. Well, let's make this confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive our better jobs, promotions, raise the bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, find and money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give gifts in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's worship the Lord together with your tithes and offerings, and stay up here and let's give him praise. He is worthy of our praise. Think of all the things he's done. Look at my life, look what he's done, isn't he able? 
that your name your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all and the angels cry holy all creation cries holy you are there 
forgiven If you've been forgiven If you've been redeemed Sing the song forever unto the Lamb If you walk in freedom If you bear His name Sing the song forever unto the Lamb Let's sing that out We'll sing the song forever and amen And the angels cry Holy, all creation cries Holy, you are lifted Your name is the greatest. Your name 
to use your name, that, that you allow us to call upon your name. And Lord, we know that your word tells us in Romans 10, 13, that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Jesus, we will use your name. We will call on your name. And we thank you, Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus, Lord, over any situation, over any circumstance that we may face, Lord, any trouble that may be in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, that your name is more powerful. Your name is more mighty. And your name can get us through any single thing that we face. We love you and we thank you. And Lord, we ask that you would have your way in our service today, Lord, in this place. Have your way. Do what you need to do. Say what needs to be said, Lord. We're not we're not here to, to get something that we want to hear. We want to hear the truth, Jesus. We will, we're here for what we need to hear. And so, Lord, I pray you would speak to each one of us today, Lord, and do exactly what you want to do. We praise your holy name forever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise together today? Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be together in his name? Amen. Well, you can make your way to your seats. 
You know, he said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And so, are you here today in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Yeah, he is here in our midst and he wants to speak to us. Hallelujah. Well, I think my sister is about to have a baby, it looks like, over here. My gosh. (laughs) Sorry, I'm allowed to say that. She's my sister, you know. So, anyway, yeah, she's pretty pregnant there. Wow. Okay, so... I'm allowed to say, that's my sister. Y'all back off. Gosh. All right. Anyway, praise the Lord, man. Well, we're going to be getting in to the word today. And I am super excited because uh, the first Sunday of the new year is where we always get a chance to talk about what uh, the Lord is showing us for the new year. And uh, and every year we get a theme verse uh, that that we uh, believe the Lord is telling us to go with and run with. For the new year. And so the title today, go ahead and put it up there, Tim, is called The Harvest is Great. And that is based off of uh, the verse that we're going to be using this year, Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. If you need an outline for the message, uh, we've got uh, some uh, some, an outline there for you to follow along with, with the verses and everything. Raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you if you didn't already get one. But uh, again, the theme verse for 2000. 2024 is Luke 10 2. And usually most years, you know, I, I, I've developed this habit uh, from my, my own parents, but usually towards the end of one year, uh, around November, uh, we'll go away and just kind of pray for a few days and talk to the Lord and seek what his will and his vision is for us. Uh, because I found out this much that most people uh, have a set of their own plans for the new year, but a lot of people don't bother to ask God, hey, you know, what are your plans? And so it's nice for you to make plans. You should do that. Uh, because if you don't ever have any plans or goals, then, you know, you're just really not going to get anywhere in life. But what's even more important than making your own plans and goals is talking to God and saying, what's your plan? What do you want me to do in the new year? And a mature Christian reaches that level. An immature Christian is always just about, you know, what can everybody do for me? God, what can you pour out on me? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And after a while, wouldn't it be nice if God heard out of your mouth, God, thank you for what you've done. What could I do for you now? You ever did, you know, you ever just thought about that for a minute that everybody's asking something of him, but not enough people are saying, Hey, what could I do for you? And we'll discuss this a little bit further in uh, to the message today. But back in November, you know, I did what I what I've done. Just learned from my parents over the years. I go out to the woods for a few days. Out, I was out in Big Bear, just talking to the Lord. What is it? that you need from High Desert Word Center in 2024. And this verse came to me. Now, the last quarter of last year, especially October 7th, as you, you know, if you have not, if you haven't been living under a rock, you probably heard that on October 7th, Israel was attacked by a group called Hamas. And you know, to some people, they're like, oh, that's got nothing to do with me, big whoop. Well, if you've ever read the Bible, you understand that that pretty much has everything to do with you, okay? <laughs> it's a really big deal. And so, uh, but the, 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 the incredible thing is, starting on the 15th, the very, uh, the next Sunday after that weekend, I mean, something changed, you know, something just happened. And, you know, even as great as things have been going, uh, you know, uh, reaching people with the gospel and things, I really saw some people 
taking the Lord more seriously than they have been. And that's a very good thing. Uh, that, and you know, some people are scared. And, you know, we don't want to be scared, but if it takes a little bit of fear to get me living right, then scare me. I'll take it. Amen. Because sometimes fear is a good thing and you need a little, to be a little bit scared. So you'll come in out of the rain. So you'll get out of the road and quit playing in the danger zone. And so we've seen that happen. And I think that's a really, really good thing. But through the month of October and into November, uh, we saw about 35 people give their lives to the Lord at the altar here, which is incredible. And, and, and you know, we're not just chalking up numbers and saying, you know, these are people that are going through our SPT, Spiritual Personal Trainer Program, being discipled and really taking the Lord very, very seriously. And I think that's a very, very good thing. And so I believe that there's a lot of momentum uh, heading into 2024 uh, for the gospel. And I know this much that the harvest is plentiful. It's great, but there's not enough people doing the work. And that's not my opinion or what I'm saying. That's what Jesus himself said about 2000 years ago. So here it is, Luke 10 verse two. It's on the screen there. That's more of a graphic, but uh, Luke 10 verse two NLT. These were his instructions to them. Well, who was he talking to? Well, if you look at verse one, he had just sent out 72 disciples to go do his work. And a lot of people are like, no, there's only 12 disciples. Well, in Luke 10, there was 72 at least that we know of. And so he sends them out. And these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great. It's plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Amen. That's really, really exciting. You know, I grew up in Indiana and I grew up just surrounded by cornfields. It's a farming community. This place, the Midwest of the United States was just made for farming. The soil is so rich and fertile and, and it just doesn't take much effort to grow anything at all. One time I was walking through my backyard and I tripped on a cantaloupe and I was like, what in the world? Well, my brother had been eating a cantaloupe and spit the seeds into some loose soil and it rained and we had a giant cantaloupe that I tripped over. And I'm like, wow. And so it just doesn't take much to grow fruits and vegetables out there. It's, you know, the breadbasket of the world. It's incredible. But my older brothers were, uh, they are farmers. That's what they do for a living. They grow corn and wheat and soybeans and it's just everywhere. And a lot of people think that's kind of a neat job, but listen, I know that every year around October, uh, early November, it's what they call harvest season. Now listen, harvest season sounds cool and, and you know, and for them it's really good because if they don't harvest, they don't get paid that year. Their entire year comes down to this little window of time. If they don't bring the harvest in, they don't get paid. They get paid one time a year. And it's when they harvest the crops and take it in and sell it, all right? It all comes down to this. But here's the thing about harvest season. If you're a farmer, you don't get to sleep in during harvest season. You don't get to lay around and play your Xbox. You don't get to stay up late watching TV. You, every moment counts. 
because the window eventually closes and then you it's over with. You, the, the, the crops are no good and you've missed out. And so my brothers will work, I mean, like 20 hours a day if they need to, to get it all in before it's too late. And then they can breathe a sigh of relief and hit it again next year when it's planting season. But listen, harvest season is no joke if you are serious and and if you are a serious Christian. Now, to some people that are what the Bible calls a lukewarm Christian, I prefer the phrase half-baked or part-time, but it's okay, whatever. So, you know, whatever, a lazy. If, if just really you don't care that much about other people, if you don't really care that much about your faith, then a verse like this, you're like, yeah, big whoop. I was hoping we'd pick a verse that said that God wants me healthy, wealthy, and wise and wants me to be popular. Well, okay, you know, whatever. We could have picked one of those, but this is what the Lord's saying to us right now. If you're a Christian that is on fire for Jesus, you want to do something for God. You want your life to count for something. You read a verse like this and you're like, oh man, use me, sign me up. If God's doing something, I want to be a part of it. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, use me, Jesus. You can barely stay in your seat when you read a verse like that. To the casual, lukewarm Christian, they're like, oh my gosh, isn't this like week 17 of NFL season? Can we get out of here so I can go? Listen, that's the wrong attitude to have. Amen. I'm telling you today that God wants to use you. You. Barstow, California, 2024. You. He wants to use you for something. He won't force you. To be used of God. He won't force you to go help other people and, and spread the gospel of Jesus, but he's totally making it available to you. It's up to you if you're going to do something for the Lord. And I'm just going to ask, who wants God to use you in some way this year for more than just clocking in every day, you know, doing your 40 hours, going home, watching TV, doing the same old, same old, living the American dream, getting all you can, canning all you get so you can sit on your can. Come on. That's not God's plan for your life. God's got something bigger and better for you. And I believe that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, just like Jesus said. And so we're going to look at three things this morning, and then we're going to have communion together uh, as we close things out here in just a little bit. But let's get into this outline here, into this message. Number one, you need to know that our times are serious, that we live in a serious moment of the history of this world. This is a very serious and real time. And I know some people, you know, don't want to believe that or they want to ignore it and that, you know, you have that right. But I'm just going to tell you now that according to the Bible and according to anybody that, you know, is awake, uh, this is a serious time that we live in. And so we're going to look at a few things here in the book of Luke this morning. Uh, so let's start flipping over there to Luke chapter 17. And uh, some of this is, you know, maybe some stuff that we've already read. I, I don't think we've read Luke 17 over the last couple months, but uh, we're going to look at some things here maybe you've read. And so this is Jesus describing what the world will be like at the very end. And I think it's incredible because he was so spot on. He nailed it. All right. So Luke 17. And we're going to look at a few verses here. And, um, and just, 
I mean, Jesus was very accurate with what he described. And and you may be thinking, well, I thought we studied the end times a few months ago. Well, we did, but I want to just, again, drive home the point of life is serious. And I understand that half the time, you know, we joke around up here and do dumb things. But overall, life and this world that we live in, it's a serious time. And if you don't comprehend that, if you don't accept that fact, you will not take your calling seriously in life. So Luke chapter 17, and we're going to look here starting at verse 26. We're going to look at verses 26 through 33. And so Jesus said, when the son of man returns, son of man is a title that Jesus used to refer to himself. He said, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. Well, that doesn't sound very fun. It wasn't very fun. It was all fun and games until the rain started and the door to the boat got closed. And Jesus said, that day is coming again. Everyone's going to be partying and having a good old time. You know, uh, the, Noah was the, you know, the joke of everybody. And some of you guys, you're telling people, I think things are getting serious, guys. They laugh in your face. They think it's all a joke. And it may all be a joke until it starts raining. And then when the door to the ark gets closed, nobody's getting in. And that doesn't, again, that doesn't sound very inspirational or fun, but it's the truth. And Jesus said, right before I come back, the world's going to look like it did in Noah's day. And then verse 28, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. Well, Lot, you can read about him in the book of Genesis chapter 19 if you want to. But Lot, uh, it says people went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Wow, these are some hard-hitting verses this morning, man. And so, but Jesus, I think it was nice of him to give us a little bit of a warning before anything like this were to happen. And so, you know, what was the world like in the days of Noah? Well, people were very violent. If you read Genesis chapter 6, there was horrendous murders and and thievery and stealing and and i mean it, it says everybody lived wicked in genesis chapter 6 except for noah and his family and then you skip down to genesis 19 and and you have this guy named lot who lived in these very bad cities named Sodom and Gomorrah. And everybody thought it was a joke there. Well, what was so bad about Sodom? Well, they had a rich uh, society. They made money. They were buying and selling and building. And if you read the story, they're also insanely perverted. Don't say that. That could hurt somebody. I'm just reading the Bible, guys. All right. I'm not trying to make nobody mad, but they're very perverse. And so what happened, man? Something bad happened to them. And Jesus said, okay, like it was with Noah and like the world was with Lot, that's what it's going to be like before I return. And I'm like, well, he's not wrong. (laughs) He's, He's pretty right on that. But look here, verse 30. Yes, 
It will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you remember that story, she looked back to the old ways and it didn't end well for her. And so verse 33, here's what I want to get to. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That is a very profound statement right there that a lot of people just glance on over. What in the world does that mean? That if I cling to my life, if I cling to it, I'm going to end up losing it anyway. But if I'll just let it go, I'm going to save my life. That doesn't make any sense. That that sounds like the exact opposite of how it should be. But Jesus said, no, if you're going to cling on to this life in your way and you're doing it your own way, some people have some major control issues. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand. No, 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 no. We know who you are anyway, so you didn't have to, but it's okay. So, but some people have massive control issues and it's good to have some control of things. We get that. But if you're going to live by faith, you're going to realize like, hey, I can't control everything. And there's some things that I don't want to be in control of. I want to give Jesus control of my life. And I have found out the more that I release it and put it in his hands, the better my life turns out. Anybody else notice that just yet? That when you're just doing it your way, you trip a lot. A lot of things just don't go right. But if I will let go and hand it over to him, just let my life go and give it to Jesus, my life is saved. And it turns out so much better. And so the more that you seek to do life your own way and live life only for yourself, the more empty it gets. The Literally, the most unfulfilled people that I know are the most self-centered people that I know. I don't know if anybody else, I mean, that's just my observation. People that the more they only think about themselves and only do whatever it takes to make themselves happy, and that's what our society will tell you. Do what makes you happy. Well, okay, but what if that includes trampling over other people, harming other people, being a selfish jerk? You still gonna do what only makes you happy? The more that you only live for yourself, the more empty and shallow and vain and meaningless life is. But when you begin to do something for Jesus, when you begin to do something to help other people out, your life will start finding fulfillment. And, and, and if you get it, you get it. And some people are like, well, that don't make no sense, man. I just want to be, I want to blah, 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 whatever. But I'm telling you right now, When you begin to live your life for others and for Jesus, number one, you will start to find fulfillment. And it has less and less to do about you. Let's look at chapter 21. Chapter 21, because that went over really well. Let's look at chapter 21. I'm kidding. You guys are doing good. Chapter 21. And so we're going to skip down here to verse 9. But God has this special way of filling you up more and more as you empty yourself out. And again, some of you get that, that the more that I just give away, the more that he fills me up. 
Luke chapter 21, and we're going to look here at verses 9 through 11. And so again, this is Jesus telling us what the world would be like at the very end. You can read this whole chapter and get a lot of descriptive information, but we're just consolidating here for the sake of time. So Luke 21 verses 9 through 11, it says, and when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Now, if you, you know, again, read history at all, I mean, what, the last 120 years, there's been so much war. World War I in the early part of the last century, World War II, the Korean, and that's just with our nation. I mean, look at the whole world. It's nonstop everywhere. And so he's like, you're going to see a lot of war at the end. Don't panic. It's going to happen, but the end won't be immediately after that. And I was just examining my own life and, you know, a lot of you guys in here, I'm in my thirties. Well, the, you know, the U S we just completed a war a year and a half ago. That was a 20 year war that we were in war in Afghanistan. The majority of my stinking life, my, we've been at war. And so Jesus said, there's going to be war. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a lot of war. Don't panic. That's part of it. Now go on here to to the next verse, verse 10. Then he added nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Wait, I thought nations and kingdoms, isn't that the same thing? Well, if you look at the Greek, you know, words there, kingdoms is literally talking about countries. Nation is a Greek word, uh, ethnos, it's ethnic groups. And so he said, ethnic group against ethnic group, race against race will be going to war against each other in the very end. And I'm like, man, Jesus. All right. Look at verse 11. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. And so we look at that stuff and we're like, none of that just sounds very encouraging to me. Well, what we're doing here is we are looking at what Jesus said. Now, just from that small few verses we've read there, could anybody see that Jesus was pretty accurate on describing the end of the world? Because we see all of these things. And verse 11 in the Living Bible, in the Living Bible, it's a different translation. Jesus said it this way. There will be great earthquakes and famines in many lands and epidemics. And terrifying things happening in the heavens. Has any, I mean, I know it's been a while now, but anybody remember any pandemics or epidemics that you've experienced, like just within, you know, the last little bit? You don't remember that? That was crazy. I couldn't even go to a restaurant. Okay. I remember it. And so again, you know, we could sit here, but I can't believe that ever happened. Well, if you read the Bible, you could believe that it could happen. And as you know, chances are going to happen again. We don't know. But Jesus said that it was going to happen. And so he was spot on, man. He nailed it. Now look at verses 26 through 28. Again, we're just, all I'm doing with this first point here is trying to paint the picture that we live in a serious time. That's all we're doing here. Showing you that we live in a serious time. Look at verses 26 through 28. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. 
So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. Someone say amen today. Amen. Now, I'm not excited for terror gripping the earth, but it's already, you know, happened and began to happen. And I think the Passion Translation says that people's hearts will melt with fear at what they see coming upon the earth. And, you know, we've seen that through some of the things we've experienced these last few years that the mass amount of fear is nearly as dangerous as anything else we've seen because when an entire society and world is gripped with fear, people will do some very bizarre and bad things. You know, you'll trample over your neighbor. You'll become very selfish. You'll, you'll just, you'll do things you wouldn't normally do when fear is gripping you. And Jesus said right here at the end, people are going to be terrified of what they see going on in the world. People are going to be gripped with fear. And he said, listen, when you see this happening, boom, stand up and look up because the Son of Man is coming right about that time. Now, we all know this much that nobody knows the exact day or hour that Jesus is coming back. If you say you do, you're dead wrong because that would mean that the Bible's wrong. Jesus said he himself doesn't even know the day or the hour that he's coming back. Only God the Father knows when that's going to happen. All right? And so we get this. And so out of everything we've studied and looked at, you know, I've just continuously said this, that are we saying that everything going on in the Middle East and in the world right now is the big one, is the final straw? Are we saying that? No, we are not saying that this is 100% the final straw. But I'm also not going to say that it's not. <laughs> We're, we don't know. But we do know this much. Jesus said, when you see this, 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 and this, 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 and this, be ready. Because it's very, very close. Now I'm going to show you one other thing before we move on. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Are you still with us today? Have we weirded you out enough yet? No? Okay. Mark Mark chapter 13, and this is uh, another uh, passage where Jesus is giving us uh, a glimpse and a look at what it's going to be like at the end. So Mark chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 36 through 37. Mark 13, 36 through 37. And so here's what Jesus said at the end of all that. And we, we, we studied this verse on October 15th. And if you wanted to go back online and look at that message, you could. But Mark chapter 13, verses 36 through 37, here's how Jesus summed this up. He said this, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. And so Jesus said, don't let him find you sleeping. And so is he talking about, well, you shouldn't go to bed that night? He's not talking about physically, because no doubt some of us will be physically asleep when Jesus returns, whatever, that's fine. But he's talking about spiritually. Some people, even with every red flag possible, waving right in front of them, there's fireworks going off, there's red flags being waved, and some people, spiritually speaking, are totally asleep. That's kind of scary, isn't it? 
I mean, that's a, that's a little bit frightening to me that Jesus gave us all the signs to look for. They're all going off like crazy. And some people are so spiritually unaware, so spiritually asleep that they can't even rise out of bed and say a prayer. They can't even get their Bible out once a week. They can't even go to church once a month. No, you're just being mean and judgmental. I am not. I'm just telling the truth. Don't be a little sissy, okay? If you can't handle this, you can't handle the things coming to our world, all right? Believe me, this is the nice version. Jesus said this, don't let me find you asleep when I come. Amen? So many people are wide awake right now. They're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. They're ready. They're ready. They're not going to be caught off guard. But there's a lot of people that will be caught off guard. And that's who I'm trying to wake up right now. Because not only do we need you awake, we need you to get out to the field and start working with the rest of us. There's too much for us to do on our own. Jesus said, there's not enough workers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more out. Somebody's been praying for you to wake up, get up, and do something for the Lord. Somebody's been praying over you. It is not a coincidence that you are here today. It's not a coincidence that you are hearing this message from the word of God today. Somebody's prayers have been answered. God woke you up, called you, and now it's going to be up to you if you're going to respond and do something about it. Amen? Point number one, times are serious. Number two, you need to be personally prepared. You got to be personally prepared because you can't help others if you yourself haven't been helped. You know, I remember the first time we uh, we flew with a, 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 our baby on an airplane. You know, we'd flown lots of times before that, but the very first time we had Joel, and uh, it was our first time flying with a baby. And you know, I usually I slept, you know, while they were saying all their stuff or whatever. You know, played a game on my Game Boy. That's how old I am. And you know, I'm playing games, and they're saying their spiel, and I'm not paying attention. But this time, I listened. And the flight attendant comes up to us, and she's like, "Listen, uh, if we, you know, lose oxygen in the cabin, you've got to put your mask on even before the baby." And and I'm, I'm like, "No, there's no way. I would never do that." And they're like, "Well." If you're passed out, how are you going to help the baby, right? <laughs> and so you got to get yourself some help. you got to be able to breathe yourself before you can help others. Let's put it a different way that maybe you'll get. And Jesus said it this way. The blind cannot lead the blind or they'll both trip and fall into the ditch. Amen. If you are blind, how are you going to be able to help somebody else that's blind? You need to get your sight before you can help somebody else. Amen. And so... What I'm saying right now on number two is this, is that you have to personally be prepared or you can't help anybody else. All right. And so let's look here at a story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. Can we go there? Matthew chapter 25. And so today we're just opening the door to what the Lord is trying to say to us for 2024. I believe that he's calling all of us together to bring in the harvest that he told us about in Matthew chapter 10. Well, what is the harvest? The harvest is people. It's getting people uh, right with Jesus. It's getting people the help and the answers that they need. And it only comes from Jesus. And so Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story, and it's, it's called this parable of the 10 bridesmaids. 
And so throughout the New Testament, Jesus keeps using the illustration of weddings. And he refers to the church, okay, you know, Christians all over the world as being the bride and he is the groom, all right? And in order to understand this story we're going to look at, you know, our world is so different than the Eastern world, okay? Our Western society is so different even today, but especially from back then. And if you want to understand this story, you've got to have a slight understanding of what a Jewish wedding would have looked like even back then. And so, you know, for us, you watch a Hallmark movie and you think, oh, wow, it's so romantic, blah, 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 you know. So, but in Jesus' day, this wedding, it, it was it was years in the making, okay? And so they'd probably been uh, engaged or betrothed, promised to each other, you know, for years and years. And, 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 and for this wedding, there wasn't, you know, a set start time. It was to kind of keep you on your toes. So the bride and all of her bridesmaids, they'd be gathered together. And the groom, at some random moment in the night, whenever, he would show up with, with all of the groomsmen with a great big celebration and whisk them away for the wedding. And it was just this big thing, but it was a surprise. So the bride and the bridesmaids, they had to be ready at any moment because the groom was coming to take them away. And that's what it was like. And so Jesus tells this story and to the people he was telling it to, they're like, oh, I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. We read it and we're like, who would do a wedding at midnight? That don't make no sense. Nobody, no, but this is different, okay? This is Jesus' day. And so in this story, it must have been a sizable wedding, at least by our standards, there's 10 bridesmaids. Now, five of them, Jesus says, were really wise, and five of them were very, very foolish. And so five of them, they were ready, they were prepared, they all had lanterns, you know, so they could be ready to go in the middle of the night, and, uh, and, and five of them, they had their lanterns, but they didn't care to fill them up with oil, they didn't care to bring extra oil, and in this story, the groom took a little bit longer to get there than what they had hoped for, and if you're anything like me, to be honest, Jesus is taking a little bit longer than I had hoped for, I was hoping to be in heaven by now. But really? Are you kidding me? You ever read about heaven? Yeah, I want. I dude, I'll be in heaven by tonight if the Lord would just you know come. I mean, I'm ready. I'm not afraid of this. I am so ready for heaven. And so these bridesmaids, it took longer than they thought, and and so they weren't prepared. And so Matthew 25 and verse six, we'll just pick up the story halfway through. And so it says, at midnight they were roused by the shout, look. The bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And so that's symbolic of when we hear the trumpet sound and Jesus is standing in the sky saying, let's go. We're going to heaven. That day's coming. And that's what's happening right here. Verse 7, all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. They're pouring the oil in. They're getting ready. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, well, we don't have enough for all of us. You need to go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Then those who were ready went in with him. Can you say those who were ready? 
Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they finally got themselves together. They stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. (laughs) Whoa, what a statement to look at right there. And again, that may not sound encouraging. Now, if you're one of the five that was ready, this is great. You're there, man. You made it in. You're excited. You're celebrating. You're partying. You're You're with Jesus at this point. But in this story, only 50% were ready. Now, I would never put a statistical figure on how many people would actually be ready for the return of the Lord. But it's kind of strange that as Jesus keeps telling us stories about this, he says, two people were asleep in bed. One went and one stayed. Two people were working out in the field. One let to go, one got left behind. Two ladies were grinding flour at the mill. One was left behind, one got to go. And it's just ironic that you continuously see 50%. One goes, one stays. Now, I'm not saying, you know, there's anything specific about that, but I'm just like, hey, if half go, I'm going. I'm not staying here to find out what happens when everybody, you know, when all the Christians are gone. I don't, I don't have any interest in that whatsoever. I want to be in heaven. And here's the thing. I don't have any interest in anybody else staying around for that. I want everybody to go. No, I'm not dumb enough to say that everybody is going to go because clearly they're not. But my job is to get as many people to go as I can possibly get to go. The harvest is great. There's tons of people that are ripe for the picking, so to speak, according to what Jesus said in Luke 10 too. And so a few takeaways from this story, and these are things I've said before, but a few takeaways from the 10 bridesmaids, if you're taking notes, number one is they all had the same opportunity. Did all 10 of them have the exact same opportunity to fill up their lamps and be ready for the groom coming? There is no unfair advantage here. And you know, we always hear like, well, if you had a bad bad outcome, it's not your fault. It's, you know, well, listen, in this story, it was their fault. Everybody had the same chance here. And so it's the same for Christians in the world today right now. Everybody's invited to heaven. Everybody. And you have a lamp. Did you know that? Wait, I got a lamp? Yeah. Psalm 119 verse 105 says that God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light unto your path. And so if you want your lamp to be ready and you need to want to know where you're going, it's right here. Just open it up and read it. It is a lamp for your feet. It is a light to your path. The word of God will shine the light in front of you so you'll know which way to go. Amen. And so in this story, everyone had the exact same opportunity. This was a totally level playing field. Another thing we learned from this story is you just can't borrow somebody else's fire. You got to get on fire for God yourself. You got to get right with God yourself. You can't go to heaven just because your grandma was a good Christian. You need to be a Christian too. You don't get, yeah, well, I, you know, I hang out, you know, with, with Sheldon all the time and that guy's on fire for God. So, hey, 
I thought it was a compliment, man. All right, all right. Uh, we'll go somewhere. Chris, Chris, you know, you look. <laughs> Even though I mean, look at that shirt. Oh my gosh. Pray for that guy. Wow. I'm not going to tell you what he said to me before church because it was really rude. Anyway, so, but check it out. Listen, you can't borrow somebody else's fire. You got to go get your own. And you can't say, well, I don't want to really get serious about God, but I'm, you know, my brother's really serious. My cousin, you know, he goes to church all the time. So he's probably praying for me. I'm good. Well, what happened when the groom showed up? The lazy ones were like, hey, give us some of yours. And they're like, no, then we'll run out. Get your own. And, And here's the crazy part. Apparently they knew right where the store was the whole time because they went right there and bought some, but it was too late. And there's a lot of people that are making excuses. Well, I'd get serious with God if I knew where to go get it. Hey man, we got a whole oil store right here. Just come on in, come get some oil. Amen. Right. Just get, come on. You know, and so don't say, well, I would, but I don't know how we will tell you how we don't know everything. And we are the furthest thing in the world from perfect. But I do know this much. I know how to tell you to give your life to Jesus. I can do that. Not much more I can do. I can tell you that. And so when Jesus returns, you will not be able to say, well, I didn't know how I didn't know where I didn't know nobody would do it for me. Well, he's going to say, but I told you to do it. I, I told you to call on my name. Why didn't you do it? All right. And so I'll just repeat this phrase because we've said this a lot, but in God's family, there are no grandchildren. There's only children. What does that mean? That means you become a son or a daughter of God, amen, and make him your father. You can't say, well, I'm good because my parents were Christians, and so I'm just going to piggyback off of them. There's no grandkids in this thing. No, there's sons and daughters. You come to Jesus on your own. You call on the name of the Lord. Don't just say, oh, my parents did it. So that's why I'm a Christian because they are. No, it's up to you. You choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You got to make a choice and become a son or a daughter of God yourself. Someone say, amen. Amen. All right, let's get into point number three. And here's what I really want to get at now. Number three is you need to be ready to help others. It's time for us to be ready to help others. Who's interested on how God could use your life? I'm absolutely interested in this. Now we're going to dig much deeper on this topic in the coming weeks, but we'll just talk for a minute here about this today. One of the main things that we as Christians need to get a hold of this year is that you have a calling and a duty to help spread the good news. And you have a calling to get involved with working for Jesus. Now, some of you, you're like, I don't like my boss. My boss is the worst. Okay, fine. Come work for Jesus. Okay. You know, you still collect a paycheck out there at Santa Fe, but why don't you give your life to Jesus and work for him, man? He's a wonderful leader. He's a great boss. Amen. Work for him. And it's very, very fulfilling. Now we know this much that each of us has a different calling and a different way that God's going to use us, but we're all called to contribute to the harvest. Do you know that? That some people are going to be used by God to help reach the children. And I think that's great. 
And some people are going to be called by God to, you know, help reach the adults. Some people are going to be called by God to lead people into worship. Some people are going to be called by God to make the house clean so people can come in and focus on the Lord. Right? We've all got a different calling in this thing. But here's the thing. Everybody should contribute to the kingdom of God on some level. Dude, I, could, I would not just want to sit there and watch. We need to be participants in what the Lord is doing. And so God wants to use you, but here's the question. Do you want to be used by him? Do you want to get involved? Well, I found this out. Nothing is more fulfilling and satisfying than letting God use you for his purpose and his calling. You were put on earth for a reason. You think you're just here to make money for 40 years and then retire? And If that is the depth of life, oh my gosh, just let me go now. <laughs> I know y'all think I sound so negative, but that's, no. If the purpose in life is to just make some money so I can have 20 final years to enjoy it, like, dude, that is so shallow. There's got to be more than that. And there is more than that. But the question is, are you going to even attempt to find out what the reason is that God put you here in the first place? The two most important days in a person's life are the day they were born and the day they find out why. Amen? And I would say the day that you give your life to Jesus... That's the day that you're going to start finding out. And so if your goal and attitude is to see how much Jesus and other people can do for you, you're not going to go very far. Well, that sounds like a challenge. That's a challenge. <laughs> if your whole goal in life is to see, Jesus, what can you do for me today? Now, here's the good news is, he can do a lot. He has done a lot. He will do a lot. He wants to pour out blessings on your life. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Don't get this wrong. God does want you to have a healthy life, a prosperous life. But if the only reason you serve God is just for how much he can give to you, you're just, you're not quite getting it just yet. You're not quite where you need to be just yet. You know, a famous speech from a, from John, President John F. Kennedy back in the sixties, maybe you, you're, you know, you, you've probably heard this speech. You may not remember it, but he said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I think that that is a very good speech. And I think that that should be said again. Because a lot of people, you know, I'm not going to go on that route. But, you know, not everybody owes you something. Maybe you could contribute as well, you know, and do something for others, even on the civic level. But I think some of us need to quit asking what Jesus can do for you and start asking what can you do for Jesus. I think that's fair, you know. He'll keep doing things for you, no doubt about it. But what if you get to this level in your faith 
What if you reach a level of maturity where you ask not, hey, what can you do for me? And you start saying, what could I do for you this year? What could I do for you today? I'll take it a step further since nobody liked that. How about this much? What if people stopped asking, what can a church do for me? And start asking, what could I do to help a church out? Amen. Maybe it's not, you know, just this church. If this isn't your church, that's fine, dude. Find your church because you need to be there. And if we're too crazy and weird for you, then that I get it. We're not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> and believe me, do I get it, all right? But, you know, for a lot of you, somehow we are, all right? And so, somehow, some way, you found people just as weird as you, and you decided to connect, all right? Weirdos of Barstow unite, and we'll see if the Lord can use us for something, all right? That's where we're at. Uh, somehow he keeps doing it. I, I, it's clearly not because we're, you know, the brightest, you know, it's just God's good, amen? So, but, but here's the deal. So many people, you know, uh, and uh, we got a you know, great crowd here today, so I'm not talking necessarily about you, but how many people only even go to a church if that church can strictly only do something for them. This, you know, this church has got great coffee and donuts. We like it. You know, the, the, you know, the, the kids, you know, they, they entertain the kids, so we'll go free babysitting. You know, what? What? Listen, you know, and we do have good coffee, all right? Don't get me wrong. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's not why I go here, believe it or not. Here's the thing. What if you started making your relationship with Jesus a two-way thing. He does stuff for you, you do stuff for him. You ever thought about that? What if you started making your relationship with your church a two-way thing? They bless you. You get to come in and, you know, hear a sermon and, you know, uh, you get to come in and be encouraged and, you know, whatever the case is. What if your relationship with your church was two-way where you got blessed and you did something to contribute to bless them and bring about the end times harvest that's been prophesied for 2,000 years. Something to think about. You know, I don't know, just mull this over for a few days here. But what if in 2024, you know, we know your goal was to lose 10 pounds, get washboard abs and, you know, save your first million. Go for it, brother, sister, do it. We want you to do it. It's great. Wonderful. Keep doing that. But what if another goal that you wrote down was, this year, I don't want to be only inward focused. I want to start focusing outward on how I could make other people's lives better. How I could give back to Jesus for what he's done for me. And you'll find that as you begin to live your life with more of an outward focus, instead of only inward Things that used to trip you up all the time, they don't trip you up anymore. Who's tired of getting tripped up and offended and mad and angry and bleh, all? Listen, when you begin to focus outward and it's not all about you all the time, things that used to trip you, they won't anymore. Someone may not treat you like the, the Queen of England when you come to church that Sunday. You don't even care because you weren't there for how you could get treated anyway. You were there to worship God. You were there to serve. You were there to do something. And so as we begin to take this approach in life of, you know, God wants you blessed, no doubt about it, he will bless you. But the more that you begin to be outward focused and 
want to be used by God, my goodness, your life will change in ways that you never knew possible. Joy, peace, fulfillment, amen? Really good things that God wants to get to you. But it's going to come down to, are you going to answer the call? Are you going to say, here I am, Lord, send me. And so I'm going to close by saying this this morning, Luke 10, 2. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. Someone's been praying for you to get out to the field and start helping out with Jesus' work before he comes back. Can we get an amen today? Amen. All right, let's stand up together this morning. Praise God. Oh, I had more verses there. I forgot to read them. That's okay. Let's go ahead and stand up. You read those on your own time. They're really good, though. They're really good verses. All right. So this morning, amen, first Sunday of 2024, very first weekend of the year. And I promise you, you made the absolute best choice you could have made by gathering together with the family of God in the house of God. One thing we're going to do this morning is receive communion together. And here's the deal. To receive communion with us, you don't need to be a member of our church. We don't, you know, whatever. But you do need to be a member of the family of God. You need to have a right heart with Jesus or none of this matters. And maybe you heard some of this today, you know, maybe we kind of provoked you a little bit. You know, maybe we kind of caused you to think. Well, that's the goal. You know, maybe you've, you know, been challenged and that's a good thing. That's what we want to do. But the biggest thing of all is this. We do live in a very serious time frame. I'm not joking about that. Jesus said, when you see all these things, get ready because there's not much time left. And that's exactly what we see right now. And I'm going to challenge you today that if you do not know with certainty, no question about it. If you don't know with certainty that your life is right with Jesus, we can fix that in like three seconds today. I'm serious. It's too risky, man, to live this life without Jesus. Uh, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't imagine that because we know this much. None of us are promised tomorrow. And again, I'm not trying to get all emotional here and toy with you, but I've just seen too much, man, to know that there's a lot of people that were putting off their decision. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll get to it. And, and, and the day will come when I finally, you know, when I've got it all out of my system, I'll give it, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get right with God. Well, for some people that day just never came. It's very, very risky. And so what I'm, what I'm doing is this. I want to give you the best chance you will ever have. You will never have a better chance than this to call upon the name of the Lord. You are surrounded by people of faith right now. You're surrounded by people that really care about you and want for you to be right with God. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer this morning and give you an opportunity to start 2024 off on the very best way you can start it by giving Jesus your life and inviting him in. And maybe you're like, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. I remember, okay, well, something happened between now and then maybe. I don't know. That's between you and God. You know, I'm not judging you. But if you could say, he didn't let go of me, but I did let go of him, let's fix it. I mean, don't be don't be prideful and stubborn and, and kick again. Just, just 
submit to Jesus today and give him your life. It'll be the best thing you ever do. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes together this morning? I'd like for you to repeat this prayer with me, but if you do it, here's the thing. We need to really mean it. And so let's say this together. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. Use me for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him some praise today? Amen. Well, we're going to receive communion together now. After communion, I'll give you some further instructions. If you were serious about that prayer and you're willing to take some next steps in committing your life to the Lord. But for right now, what we're going to do, Pastor Josh is going to lead us in some worship. Uh, We're going to go row by row, come up and get your communion. You can go back to your spots, but we're going to ask you to remain standing when you get there. Let's be reverent to the Lord this morning as we do this. Amen. Let's go. Is the highest your name is the greatest your name and stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above The scripture tells us to right here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, it says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Well, I don't want to sin against anybody on earth. I especially don't want to sin against the body and blood of Jesus. 
Verse 28, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so this morning, before we receive the communion elements, we're going to take a minute to examine. And the King James Bible says, judge your own life. And that's between you and God. And so I caution you, don't judge the person beside you. That's between them and God. Don't be judging your husband or your wife or your kid. Like, no, this is about you and God right now. Leave them alone. Judge you. And if you're like, well, you know, I don't just talk to the Lord right now. And if something needs dealt with, now's the time to deal with it. If changes need to be made, now's the time to talk to God. We'll take just a minute here to quietly uh, talk to the Lord and examine and judge your own life. And then we'll receive these elements. Amen. First Corinthians 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we take this this morning and we understand and we remember that this represents the body of Jesus that was beaten and broken before he went to the cross. He paid the price for our sins and we thank you for it. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so as we take this communion juice this morning, we understand that this represents the blood of Jesus that paid the price for our sins and made the way for us to be forgiven when we call on the name of the Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood, and we receive it and remember it today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in nothing but the blood of Jesus this morning. Let's sing this song together and then we'll pray. Amen. to the Lord, or maybe coming to the Lord for the first time, uh, what we want to offer you is we've got a, a program we call Spiritual Personal Trainer, SPT, and what we would do is connect you with somebody else from the church that for the next 30 days, uh, they will text you uh, some verses and prayers and devotions, and uh, just kind of mentor you to get you on the right track uh, to get things started here. If you're interested in that, this is Jose, way over here by the piano, raising his hand here. Come see Jose. He'll get your name and number. We will connect you with somebody and make sure that we do everything we can to help you stay on the right track with Jesus. Amen. If you're here and you need prayer, come on up. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship. If you don't need prayer, good for you. Other people do. So let's be reverent for just a few more minutes this morning as we get to pray with people. Amen. Let's go. Is the highest your name is the greatest your name that stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all and the angels cry 
still taking place up here, but amen. Did anybody receive from the word of God today What we're where we're going with this? Amen. Amen. So, you know, just be ready that, you know, over the next few weeks, be talking to the Lord and asking, what can I do for you? And he'll answer. He'll talk to you. Amen. He'll speak to your heart. The Holy Spirit will. And, and I, I'm just, I know that this is a year that God's calling each of us in our lives to more and 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 to be more uh, outward focused than inward focused because the harvest is plentiful there's so many people that are ready to receive Jesus they just need somebody to show them the way and that's what we're going to do together amen all right we're going to go ahead and close things out uh, remember, we got service tonight at six o'clock. It's gonna be uh, gonna be a great evening. And then next weekend is, of course, uh, membership class next Sunday night. If you didn't sign up yet and you want to, and you do, uh, the sign up sheet is back there. Go ahead and, and sign up for that or Financial Peace University. Amen. Let's go ahead and we're gonna close out in prayer. Let's raise our hands as we do. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you so much. And, and Lord, we thank you for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, we know that you're challenging us, Lord. You're, you're kind of roughing us up a little bit on some things to get our attention and wake us up so we can be ready for that moment when we see you in the clouds returning and calling us to heaven, Lord. We are looking forward to that day. But Lord, even on top of that, we want to be used by you before that day comes. We want to tell as many people as we can that Jesus loves them and that there is a way to heaven. And we want to be used by you, God. We don't want life to only be about us, Lord. We want to serve you. And so I pray that you're working on each of our hearts and, 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 and we're answering the call, Father. We're answering the call. We love you and we praise you. Use us this week to show your love to everybody we come across and be the light of the world. In Jesus' mighty name. Can someone say amen today? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to do our Barstow Faith Confession, and then you are dismissed. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you tonight.